Welcome to the Nordic Football Podcast. I'm Steve Wiss. I'm joined by Jonathan Fadugbert as ever. How are you doing, my friend? Good, good, Steve. How are you? Yeah, pretty, pretty all right. Thanks. Exciting times in uh, well Norway and Sweden at the moment, and uh, got a new, a brand new episode for you right now. Coming up later, uh, Sean Constable. You remember him from last season? He was on the podcast. We've got him again for a special interview. So got that to look forward to, but going to start off in Sweden John and uh, fair to say there's been quite a few surprises in this league so far it has indeed yes it's been a very um, eventful season so far we're nearly at the uh, break now for the uh, World Cup in fact so yes it's uh, been an eventful season pre-season favourites Malmo um, they've really struggled and I mean it's culminated in their change of manager what has been the big problems at Malmo so far this season, John? Yeah, well, um, well, there's been a lot of, it's not just Malmo, there's been a lot of exciting events in the city of the league, um, averaging many a goal. Uh, there's been four threes, four nils. There's been a really eventful season so far. Um, but obviously the main place to start is, indeed, Malmo, who have been shocking. Um, first managerial casualty. Magnus Persson's gone. Uh, they had a terrible run. Uh, lost the Swedish Cup final. Um, beaten twice by Young under 3 0 in the Cup final and in the league. Uh, lost four games in a row. And that was that for the manager. Yeah, difficult times for Malmo. I mean, I saw quite a few of their earlier games, and it just seemed to me like they weren't. They weren't being clinical, they were making sloppy mistakes, and they perhaps weren't winning games that they would have you know, won in their sleep last in the last couple of seasons. So perhaps the writing was on the wall early, but they had an absolutely shocking run of uh, results which forced this managerial casualty. Yeah, like I just said, yeah, they had a really bad run of results. Um, you know, the problems really have been there for a while, I think they... Maybe the faith in the manager wasn't there in kind of at the start of the season too much. Um, obviously, did really well last season in terms of his rotation, but this year it's not really worked. They got rid of too many players. I think there was a bit of a feeling that they lost a bit too much experience, title winning experience, and didn't really replace it with maybe sufficient quality in certain areas. Um, had a couple of injuries which didn't help, but um, you know some of the new signings haven't quite matched up to expectations as well. Uh, Bonky, Bonky Innocent was one who got really, really criticised. Actually, I think it was a bit overly harsh by by the fans. They really didn't like him at one point. Um, but he's done quite well since Pearson left, in fact. Um, but yeah, it's just been a disastrous campaign for, for Malmo so far. They're not even in the top half of the table, I don't think, that night. So, um, yeah, really surprising, actually. And they've only scored 14 goals uh, in 11 games, which is, you know, minus three goal difference, which, you know, for the for the club the size of Malmo, whose budget is half of the budget of the entire league, it's really surprising. Yeah, I've been following this Malmo story quite with some interest because there's been an interesting name linked to this uh, managerial vacancy, and that's Ole Gunnar Solskjaer from uh, Molde. Uh, do you see this potentially happening? Yeah, well, they've had, they've had a meeting. It's official uh, that they've actually met. Uh, I don't know if it's, you know, I think it's, don't know if it's meant to be hush hush, but um, it's been published and reported that he has met the club. So these wheels are kind of in motion. Uh, Olaf Molberg, also the Aston Villa 
uh, one time centre back has been linked, um, and the Dalkur, the system manager, was previously with or left Melbourne, so there's a good potential there that he's left his position to join Melbourne in a new role. But um, yeah, Solskjaer looks like he could well be a favourite, which would be really interesting, wouldn't it, both from Norway to, to Sweden? I think it would be a really interesting move. Uh, I'm not. I don't. I don't know whether it'd be a good or a bad one. To be honest, I'm not actually sure. Maybe it could work out. In part of me quite likes the idea of it actually. To be honest, and I don't necessarily think it'd be the worst thing for Mulder either if he left. So follow those developments with with interest. And uh, well, whilst Malmo have been struggling, there's been some other teams taking advantage, and uh, Hammerby have been. Quite fantastic this year, haven't they? Uh, eight victories already, just one defeat. Top of the table, scoring goals for fun. What a f- what a great season for for Hammerby uh, so far, John. And they'll be hoping to try and kick on and, and win this league. Yeah, what do you want me to say? I mean, yeah, you've um, you've mentioned uh, the record there. Um, yeah, they've got the best best defence in the league, uh, doing very well. Um, and yeah, averaging you know over two goals a game, uh, quite exciting. They've got Gillo and Hamad who's done really well. Uh, they've got Padiba who's scoring goals for fun. Um, Nikola Jurjic as well who's been nominated for Player of the Month this month. Yeah, everything's going really well for them at the moment. Do you think they're the sort of squad that can actually keep this up, or is this just a, just a spectacular start that they will not be able to maintain? Uh, no, you know, like I said, sorry, they scored you know, 24 goals, so they're doing really well in, in the goal-scoring stakes, they're not conceding that many, uh, maybe more than ARK, but, but you, know, you know, they're not doing too bad, to be fair, although they are, they are leaking a little bit compared to the top, rest of the top eight. Um, but no, you know, they've got Dibber as top of the uh, top goal-scorer, Jordan Paulinho, they've got Djuric is doing really well, Nikola Djuric. You know, Hamad has been fantastic. Um, he's a top assist provider as well. Noel Matankovic has weighed in. Yeah, they, they've they've got firepower for fun. It's going very well for for Hammerby. One of the the preseason favourites um, to to win this the Asvenskin was Ostersunds, and they're sort of the languishing in mid table. They've had a few ups and downs, but I understand there's quite a few off the field issues at this club John that uh, that you're going to talk about here and uh, well Graham Potter is probably an obvious place to start um, obviously a manager that's caught the eye um, in the last year or two throughout the whole of Europe and there's a strong chance he could be leaving them this summer isn't there? Uh, yeah obviously there's a link with Swansea and seemingly looks like there's a lot of legs to it in fact so. There's a press conference been called by the club uh, for this after this next game, uh, which they're expected to potentially announce his departure. Uh, they also might be announcing the departure of them, one of their best defenders, uh, Pablo Janopoulos. Soterios is off to FC Copenhagen, is the rumour. Uh, so, yeah, Samar Godas probably looks like he will leave in the summer. Things are looking quite bad for us. This is actually, and obviously, if Green Potter does leave, that's the end of, end of an era, really. And um, they haven't really had the best of seasons even with him at the moment. They're eighth. Uh, lost four, one four. The form has picked up slightly in recent weeks, but um, they started the season quite poorly. They were in a relegation zone at one point, and yeah, it's been a really strange season. They could uh, could well be a disappointment again. Do you think there was perhaps too too much expectation? I mean, you actually mentioned this in the pre-season podcast that 
the expectations are much higher uh, in Ostersunds this year for the first time ever. Do you think that impacted them at the start of the year, expecting too much? Yeah, definitely, Steve. I think, um, you know, like I said, the, the fact that they've got way, way of expectation now, they've never had to deal with that before. <clears throat> and I don't think they've really been able to cope with it, to be honest. Um, I also think there's a bit of a sense of maybe going a little bit stale. Although they have made a few signings, I just get the feeling that they kind of, what, what more is there to do for them, really? Um, that Europa League one is just so historic, so wonderful, so captivating. It's kind of like where do you go from here now? It's back to the bread and butter, you know. Once you've had a few uh, steaks, you know, once you've had a fillet mignon, <laughs> you get a bit bored of having, uh, you know, chips and rice, don't you? So, you know, the, the bread and butter of the league has kind of been maybe a bit boring for them, and I think that's kind of made them take their eye off the ball slightly, maybe subconsciously. Um, there's also been problems with the chairman, of course, and uh, you know, big story in Sweden at the moment. Obviously, uh, chairman Daniel Kinberg was arrested. Uh, on suspicion of fraud and um, accounting malpractice. Um, court case is pending. He's still the chairman at the moment, but that's another issue. So, yeah, it's been a really kind of um, turbulent season. Yeah, you're certainly right. You know, going back from a, uh, a Fiat Mini on to something like that, even back to a rump steak, is uh, quite a drop down, mate. So, uh, I can understand <laughs> their um, I can understand their predicament there. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's a really interesting situation at Ossersons. I feel quite sad in a way. I know that you know, we, we've done quite a few sections on Ossersons in the podcast and uh, it, uh, it would be a shame to see them sort of go downhill so quickly. But uh, problems, 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 sadly there. Let's um, let's move on to, to Jorgan, who, who won the Swedish Cup. You briefly mentioned it. And I think we probably uh, need to congratulate them on uh, this uh, fantastic success. And a run which, you know, on route to the final, getting the job done, kind of silenced quite a lot of critics, John. Yeah, they've had a good season so far. Uh, the fifth in the table at the moment. Um, maybe not doing quite as well as they might be doing. Kind of get the sense that they should be a little bit higher, I think, sometimes. Um, they've lost a few sort of important games as well. But obviously the big one was winning the cup um, without even conceding a goal. And obviously smashing Malmo in the final 3-0. Uh, fantastic season really in terms of cup campaign uh, they're in Europe now obviously whilst Ken Malcolm Mitchell the manager's done a really good job there bringing together that squad um, <clears throat> like I said I think they've been been very good I mentioned in my sort of uh, players to watch in the pre-season pod I did say Tino Kadawiri would be one to watch and he's been fantastic for them uh, really been a breakout star of the league actually um, so has Marcus Danielson at the centre back who again I also mentioned there's one to watch uh, a signing from Gisun's He's come out of the box flying, and um, yeah, they're doing really, really well. Been a good season for Jurgen so far, and obviously, lifting the Derby curse uh, has their fans ex- extremely happy. Yeah, that was a big thing for them, and then actually going on to, to lift the silverware, qual- silverware qualifying for Europe. I mean, in regards for the rest of their season in the league, do you think it eases the pressure on them quite a bit? Could they come in the second half of the year and be a, even a title challenge? Yeah, I think they. I still think they've got a few weaknesses. Um, maybe squad depth. Um, there's also rumours over some of their players. Kerry, remember, Batty is quite strongly linked to Belgium now. Um, he's been having a really good season. So that's potentially an issue for them. But uh, yeah, I think they're having a good season. Uh, they've got good players. Um, they're you know 
a good manager, like I mentioned. Yeah. So, going pretty well. A, a good campaign. It's been a pretty good campaign for all of the uh, Stockholm uh, teams, really, so far. And the AIK, they're right up there in the table at the moment, showing the same sort of pedigree defensively, uh, fantastic defensive record. In yeah, terms of right. comparison to the likes of Hammerby and, say, Norshipinger up there, do you think AIK have got the goals? And I've asked this question quite a few times on this podcast over the last year. Have they got the goals to win the league? Well, but do they need the goals? I mean, they've only conceded six in 11 games so far, and they're unbeaten. So, you know, although Hammerby have got a game in hand, they're still only two points behind. Um, and Hammerby have been doing really, really well, and everyone's been talking about it. problem with ARK is just drawing too many games right now. At the moment, they've won six and drawn five, obviously. So, you know, nearly half the games have been drawn. So, to a certain extent, yes, the scoring is a bit of a problem, but I think it's more... They're just so resolute that they can grind out wins, um, and that's what they'll continue to try and do. I think for the for the majority of the season. Yeah, I read that some of the um, the Hammerby, Hammerby players called AIK boring after they beat them one nil recently, but I guess that kind of sums them <laughs> up in a way, doesn't it? Um, that's, you know, that's how they get the job done. They're not the most exciting team to watch, but they, uh, in terms of solidity, they get the job done. Well, so the interest, interesting thing is that they um, obviously they met each other in the derby and that was a bit of a tasty affair and it could be a sort of Stockholm title race this year obviously Malmö is usually the ones who are at the top but uh, not this time it looks like it's going to be potentially a sort of a, a Stockholm title race two way fight so yeah that could be interesting and there's a bit of an ego there between those two clubs for sure well if, if your guy got in the race as well that would be quite spectacular Stockholm would be the place to be for sure uh, okay, it's um, a bit of a surprise package. Just a quick mention here: uh, Kalmar are going much better than quite a few people expected them uh, pre-season to go. They were in the dizzy heights of the top five uh, recently, but I think a couple of defeats have set them back a bit. But uh, have Kalmar surprised you, John, so far? Very much so. Yes, they had a really good start to the season. Actually, um, I've been impressed by them. Um, yeah, they were fifth, I think, and then time got to fourth recently like you said a bit of a setback now and they're down in sixth but they're still you know above the likes of Malmoy, Osterson, Zfgor, Beagle Hacken so they'll take that all day long I think you know Kalmar should be quite impressed with how they're doing um, under their manager who's a bit of a wild wily fox in that league um, and yeah they've done well. What has been the what have been the best parts of Kalmar what's been working for them? Well they're just getting good results to be fair you know the blend is, is, is quite good uh, they've got some experienced players there uh, the manager's been there and done it and I think obviously last season they were in a bit of dire straits in terms of the league but they've, they've managed to kind of take on that momentum from staying up and, and sort of carry it on into the new season uh, beat Malmo 3-0 which is an absolutely incredible result um, and yeah they just got you know players who are sort of stepping up and scoring goals good team spirit um, there isn't there yeah, good team spirit. I think I think the manager is a key key part of it to be honest. And um, like I say, they've had some good results uh, just in general as well. Being at Elsborg, they got a point against uh, Ostersunds. Um, but I think to be honest, they've also had fairly simple games. You know, they've they've, they've played Sirius, they've played Dalker, uh, they've played Trelleborg, uh, they've played Elsborg, who I don't really think are having a great season. So maybe they've caught teams at the right times. The team, you know, Norshopping, they lost three one. So 
think the jury's still out on them, but yeah, really good start to the season and their fans can be happy right now. Yeah, you mentioned some of the struggling teams there and uh, I mean down at the bottom, I mean every time I see Brummer Poikner play they look absolutely terrible to me. Serious uh, quite literally in serious trouble. And uh, Dal Kurd, they've uh, lost an awful lot of games, and uh, the manager's paid the price for that, hasn't he? Indeed, yeah. <clears throat> We've had a manager of a casualty, in fact, uh, on the day of this recording, uh, as we're doing, Valentich has been relieved of his duties. Dal Kurd are in a bit of a uh, poor state right now, bottom of the league, only one win. Um, despite the fact that they've you know, scored a few goals, they're not the lower scorers, but they just lead goals for fun. Minus 11 goal difference, four points. Um, and yeah, they're really struggling at the moment and um, they've changed their manager. Is there, I mean, at this point in time, it's very early days still, but is there a way back for the likes of Sirius and Dalker, do you think? Well, we'll talk about teams, I think, more in detail at some point, but uh, the relegation battle. But yeah, to be honest, there's a few teams down there who haven't been doing great. I mean, Trelleville had a, a bit of a poor start, but they've picked up and they even beat Malmo, which was really the final straw for their. Uh, people at Malmo there uh, losing that derby uh, in Scanner. But um, Sirius have been very disappointing. I think Brummer Poik and Earl were expected to struggle and they are struggling. Dalka again expected to struggle, but they've got the likes of Buyatore, Sugita, who's done quite well, the Japanese player, who, who um, has got a few assists. And you know, you might think that they might do a bit better. They've also had a really poor attendance, to be honest. I think the lowest attendance of the season. Uh, was them against Kalmar. I think there was only 700 fans, which is shocking, really, um, for a top division club. Um, so, yeah, it's just a bit disappointing for Downford. Uh, and they'll want to pick up on that as soon as possible, really. Yeah, they're, uh, they're certainly in a bit, in a bit of a mess. Um, okay, well, that just about uh, keeps us up to date with uh, the latest news in Sweden for now. So, uh, thanks very much for your input as ever, John. Okay, so we're just going to take a little bit of a break right now, but join us after the interval where Sean Constable from Sandefjord will be joining me as the special guest on this episode, so we can look forward to that after the break. Well, he joined us last season and he's back again on the Nordic Football Podcast in 2018. It's Sean Constable from Sandefjord. Uh, how are you doing, Sean? Um, uh, I'm good. Yeah, very good at the moment. Yeah, Lovely weather in Norway, so not so bad. Thanks for thanks for joining. It's difficult times at Sandefjord, understandably. We're going to talk about your uh, your own club in detail in a little bit. But let's just first of all talk about Elite Serien in general uh, for 2018, and it was a bit of a um, well, it was an early start, wasn't it, Sean? Um, yeah. In March, and um, I know there was a lot of problems uh, with certain clubs. We're not happy about how early it was. The weather. Do you think that looking back, really, this is a league that needs to be starting in April every year? For me, yeah, I really believe that. Um, it was too early. There's no doubt, and especially. Uh, the clubs like ourselves that have natural grass, uh, the pitch is only just beginning to recover, you know, uh, having to get out there earlier than what we normally would. 
of course, you know, to, to have the pitch perfect, isn't it? It's talking about a lot of money in that. So, mm. But also, even with the, the clubs with natural, um, sorry, uh, Kunstgrass, the uh, 4Gs and stuff, the weather, the, the temperature, it's not conducive to uh, having big crowds, you know. Um, even Rosenborg suffered a little bit. So and that shows you there, they're the biggest club in, uh, in terms of support and everything in the league. So. Mm. How difficult was it, it's just in general, for the clubs? Because there was all sorts of fixtures going around left, right and centre, postponements yeah. as well. And in terms of just orchestrating matches and uh, training, did you, yeah. lose, did you lose a lot of time on that? Yeah, it was just disjointed. I think that's the problem about it because we played our first game, which was away, <clears throat> and then uh, which was on artificial grass. And then the second, the second game we should have played, we couldn't because we still had snow on our pitch. So it was in no, it was no condition to, uh, to to be able to play. So we didn't play for three weeks. So we had one game, and then didn't play for three weeks. And it, it, then we felt like well, we're back in pre-season again. It was all a little bit uh, false, if you want. Yeah, I mean, there's been a few surprises in, in the league so far this year. Um, the top three at the moment, uh, Brand, Rosenborg and Ranheim of all teams. Um, <laughs> uh, rather, everyone's talking about Ranheim right now. And I suppose, in a way, I mean, you were in a similar position this time last year. You just got promoted. Yeah. Everyone's written you off. And um, so, you, I suppose you can sort of understand from where, their point of view where they're coming yeah. from, them against the world, so to speak. But, I mean, you played them. It was fairly early on in the year. But, I mean, yeah. how shocked have you been by Ranheim? Yeah, I, I, quite a lot, to be honest with you. But they they do have, actually have some very, very good players. And I, and, and I know when they got promoted, I know there were uh, a few clubs looking at at least four or five of their players. And they were like, no, we're staying. And uh, I, I think that... Uh, that almost that Alex Ferguson, the us against the rest of the world mentality is, is, is really shown them. But also continuity of a, of a local coach, continuity of having local players coming up through the system. A lot, there were a lot of them, I think actually nearly all of them are from the uh, Brunheim area. Um, and so, you know, they, they actually, they've kept that continuity inside of the club. They've not outreached out on their budget they've just been they boxed really clever and they know exactly how they play and they play the same way for years and years they're not chopping and changing on coaches not chopping and changing on uh, systems of play uh, and I think that's really really helped them as you can see from the results but I think even they've shocked themselves a little bit though <laughs> yeah I mean they've scored a lot of goals that's been their success <sighs> fantastic yeah Three of the top four, though, uh, Braun, Rosenborg, Sarpsborg, they're pretty much up there because they're not conceding many goals at the moment. Yeah. Do you yeah. think Do you think we've got a genuine three-way title fight this year, or two-way, perhaps, Braun, Rosenborg, Sarpsborg? Can, can someone like Braun win the title this year? Yeah, I, I tell you what, there will be quite a decisive game. I think it's this weekend. I think it's, isn't it, Rosenborg, Braun? Um, it is this weekend or the following yes, weekend? Yes, it's this weekend. Yeah, it's this weekend. Yeah, yeah, it is, and that will be a very interesting one because uh, not that I've got any inside information, but I know uh, I know that somebody said uh, the other day that um, then you might see the the real Rosenborg turn up. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> that'll be interesting because if they do beat Brand in that scenario, then it then it closes the gap really tight again um, and uh, yeah I think it will but, but Brann are a strong team uh, 
they play quite simple football, but they do have some very, very good football players. There's no doubt about that. But, uh, they, they play very similar to Sochsburg, actually. They're both very similar teams, a little bit direct, um, but uh, always working, fighting hard, working hard on not conceding goals, as, as you can uh, clearly see from the league, you know. Yeah, you played uh, Brown on Sochsburg recently. Uh, same result in yes. both games. Um, yes. I mean, for you, is there a clear difference between... Uh, are Brown the better side at the moment? Just a little bit, yeah. Just, just, just a little bit. But it, it's, it's, it's a shade. It's very difficult to tell. I just think they've just got maybe a little bit more quality around. But Sosborg have an unbelievably strong squad. <clears throat> Do you know what I mean? So um, they, uh, it'll be tight. I think it'll be tight. I mean, they've, they've settled themselves really well. And as we all know, Sosborg has done amazing in the transfer market uh, over the years. And they, 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 they are a good side. But I think Baran just kind of edged them. Yeah. Uh, just, just a fraction. But you know, both for us, both games. You know, we we play okay. We we do well. We we don't give them many chances, and we there's a lot of concentration and the constant quality that they have. They don't stop. Boom! They keep going and going and going and going and going. They don't let you rest. You know, and that's why they end up winning their games. To be honest with you. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, they are two two of the best sides in the league, so yeah, it's definitely. understandable. They're going to be they're going to win more games than than they lose for sure uh, over the course yeah, of the year. Uh, yeah. Now, unfortunately, uh, looking at the bottom of the table, um, your club at the, the bottom right now, five points yes. on the board yeah. and in a pretty um, tough uh, tough run. I mean, it's been, I suppose, a bit of a, a, a tough year all round right from the start of it. But, um, yeah, I mean, there's plenty to talk about, Sanderfjord. Quite an interesting club uh, this year, for sure, in, 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 in well, posit- more negatives than positives, I guess. But uh, let's just start at the, at the turn of the year. Lars Bahinen who uh, obviously um, a big part of Sanderfield the last few years. He goes on, moves yeah. to Arsenal, um, I think, the back end of December, if memory yeah. serves me correctly. Yeah. Um, That's right. Yeah. So you, you had a period then where um, you and uh, Guy Ludwig for, for Vang were in charge of the club, is that right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, to be honest, I was just coming back from a knee injury around about then because I had that uh, well, knee operation. I had a, a new knee put in. Let's <laughs> go for the, the whole thing. So I was a little bit out to start with. So uh, the um, uh, Spiel Ludwig of Ronnie Homodal came in in the beginning. And then and then I came back and uh, we were working together. And then, of course, uh, uh, the club employed Magnus, uh, Magnus Powell. So, um, How quickly yeah. did that actually happen? And were you uh, aware of the, the progress with getting a new manager? No, no, definitely not. We're, we're on we're on the coaching side. Our job is to make sure that we keep working with the players, keep keep the sessions going the the way we we've done in the past, or even we've changed we changed a few things because there's always you know different co- you know when last goes away we have different few different ideas, nothing major. But in that part part of the season so early uh, inside of a long preseason, we were just ticking the players over to make sure they were ready for what we knew would be a head coach sooner or later. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a good time. If you're going to change a coach, usually the off-season is the best time anyway, isn't it? Plenty yeah. of, of time to get prepared for, for, for the new year. So Magnus comes in. Um, what were the big differences working with Magnus as opposed to Lars, would you say? Um, leadership. Uh, I think Magnus had come from clubs where uh, he had to do everything. So he was at uh, Egerson, which is in the second division, and then he was at uh, Lavanga, another small club. So he was like, you know, head coach, uh, analysing, uh, organising the trips, organising food. So he had, had to do everything, so full control. So when he came to us, 
maybe didn't quite understand the size of the club, even though we're not a big club in terms of elite series level. But um, we are, you know, fully professional. We've got quite a lot of people working inside of the club. And he didn't need to waste some of that energy that he has because he's got a lot of energy, very dedicated uh, coach. Whereas Lash is very much an organiser and a leader of a club much more because he's come from being a player into being a sports leader and then becoming a manager so maybe a little bit a little bit like the English kind of style you know yeah, being a coach yeah. having having assistants underneath him to work coach do deliver sessions he does 11 v 11s he runs the club works with the board works kind of from us coaches players and up um, more that way I think that was the two difference in the leadership a lot of from a tactical point of view a lot. All I ever kept seeing about Magnus Power, now I didn't know an awful lot about him before he came to Sandefield, I must say myself. Yeah. All I ever saw was he he was a, a, a renowned four four two sort of guy, um, yeah. but he's willing to come into Sandefield and you've been playing sort of this 3-4-3, 3 the last few years and, and he's willing, yeah, to, willing to stick with it. I mean, would you say uh, that this is a bit of a myth that he was a, a man that couldn't adapt in terms of from his four four two, or how was it tactically... How did he find it, do you think, settling into the club from a tactical point of view? Yeah, I, I think he had. He, he, he found it a little bit difficult at times. And I think he, because uh, he was so hands-on, he got himself inside really quickly. And then uh, I, I think he wanted to, to push himself and put himself under, under pressure in a way uh, to adapt to, the, to a different system. And there were periods when it, it kind of worked and, and, and other times... Obviously, it didn't. You know, we play start away. We we do really well in the three four three, um, and and then he uh, yeah. Then it was difficult for him when things start to turn a little bit. So that early period in the season, we had games where we felt like we should have picked up more points, and I felt like we needed to. Um, now we go into this this difficult period. So for Magnus, I think he wanted to try and to try and adapt, and and maybe in hindsight, he might have been better off when he first come in saying right, I'm going to change it and, and go in his own way might have helped him um, in the short term, if you know what I mean. For the, Maybe maybe yeah. for this season, he could have gone down that line and then looked to adapt when we get into next season three because he didn't, because, of the, because we started so early, he actually didn't get as much time as he normally would because you know the Norwegian pre-season is only yeah. about three months. Yeah. <laughs> so I think that was a bit of a, for him, I think in hindsight, he probably would look back now and say, yeah, I should have just said, listen, I want to do it my way. Would have been better for him. For him. It, it always felt like he was perceived as being under pressure right from the get-go. That was maybe a bit harsh, mm. perhaps. I, think, I know yeah. he, was the, he was the bookmaker's favourite to be the first man uh, for the first managerial change, and uh, yeah. they were actually right in this instance. But yeah, it happened after just six games, which, I mean, I think even for a lot of people, it came as a bit of a surprise. I don't know about this. Mm. Obviously, you internally might have seen it a little bit differently. Mm. I think my big question is, how did that actually affect the squad, that, that sudden departure? Oh, yeah, you know, always things like that, they, they, they unbalance things a little bit, you know what I mean? So, I think the most important thing to remember is that they are, they're professional players, you know, and, and they know Guy Ludwig and I very well. They also know Ronnie Holmerdahl very well. And for us then to come in and take over, I felt that they were a little bit happy about it because of stability. You know, it was kind of what they knew. Yeah. And of course, we immediately went back to uh, three five two. Nothing to do. We didn't necessarily like the system on four four two or whatever. But we have been doing that 
system for four years, recruiting players to be more adaptable to that system and then to try and go to four at the back in the middle of a, which you know right now has turned out to be a very difficult period for us. We felt like we needed to stop, you know, uh, conceding goals and be a bit tighter, which we have done except for the odd game. So we won't talk about that. <laughs> so, it's, um, so the situation right now, I mean, it's a pretty a bit of an obvious question, but who's in charge of what exactly and um, and how in and, and running the club in that sort of way? Yeah, Guy Ludwig Fairbanks, head coach. Uh, and I'm, I'm the assistant. If you want, I kind of move up to assistant one or from assistant two, if there is such a thing. But And uh, Ronnie, Ronnie Holmwoodall is kind of coming in and helping a little bit on the pitch, but mainly being, um, what do you call it, like, almost like a sports leader in a way, kind of overlooking, uh, talking about training sessions and stuff. He's, he's been a big help, uh, there's no doubt about that. But that's, that's how we work it. Of course, when we make decisions, we, we sit down and we do it together. There's, there's no doubt about that. So it's yeah. it's it's kind of it has ultimately the responsibility because he's been given the temporary head coach job, um, and that is just temporary at the moment. Uh, the club is still in uh, process of uh, going through all the applicants and people applying for the job, and which is the right direction to go in. So they're, they're not rushing at the moment. So Do we, is there anything you can tell us about potentially when you might be hiring a full time coach, or are you in the dark? Uh, no, at the moment, they're just going through the process. There's nothing yeah. else to say about that, to be honest. Yeah, so um, I mean, I say you've had a t you've had a tough run of games. Let's be fair; you've not had yeah. really any easy. Uh, and you've, apart from the odd match, you have been tightened up defensively a bit. I mean, mm. the thing is, you you were scoring goals at the start of the season. So, yeah, do you do you think are you, do you can we expect to see Sanderfield maybe being a little bit more expansive again in the future? Maybe against some of the, the supposed weaker opponents? Do you think? something from the other end so you immediately think it's shit we need to sort that out but um yeah we 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 know where we're a little bit deficient on and and again it comes from confidence you know we we, we have a couple of chances against Strasbourg. one at the end is the massive one and you score that goal and then it's it's, it's like everything it's a catalyst we end up drawing 1-1 one, one against one of the top teams in Norway. They're, they're very disappointed about what happens. And, and all of a sudden, we come away from that game with lots of energy. Of course, we miss that chance. And then they win 1-0 and they go away with lots of energy. And it, and it hurts us uh, a lot. Um, so we, we know we know that we need to work a little bit more on what happens in the final third. Um, that's any coaches, any coaching team situation all over the world, isn't it? It's facing yeah. how 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 you score your goals. So, of course, we're always looking to improve that, no doubt whatsoever. Yeah, I saw at the end of the game there was, you know, some really it really seemed to matter to the players. You know that there's, a, I think there's still a lot of fight left in you uh, from what I've seen there. And you know, you've lost two games at home by uh, on penalty decisions, basically. Uh, as well, yeah. when it rains, it pours, doesn't it? You just you just need a little bit of break here and there, but. Uh, Let's just talk about some more positive things because uh, um, I've always been a great advocate for youth and um, I love seeing their players develop. And you, at the moment, there's quite a lot of, of these younger guys getting um, starts or at least plenty yep. of bench opportunities. Yep, and um, let's, uh, let's start with a few names. I mean, last season, Andre Söderlund, he came in, I think 19-year-old last year, and he ended up with about 20-odd appearances, he was one of the, the, the great shining lights and um, he's been one of your great success stories so far, hasn't he? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he's done really well. I mean, he's, 
you know, he's, he's had a, he's had a bit of an up and down season. You know, there was speculation for him uh, moving. Uh, obviously, clubs are not silly in in the level that we're at. They're hovering around uh, some of our best young players, and, and, and so they should. And then that shows that we're doing a good job in the youth department. Um, so um, yeah, Suzy's done really well. Um, He's, he's progressing all the time. He's learning all the time. He needs to be a little bit more direct sometimes with his dribbling and stuff, but very, very good player. Yeah, very good. I think one player that's caught my eye um, is uh, Herman Nielsen since he's coming yeah. to the team. I mean, he, he just seemed to come in uh, um, into the team out of absolutely nowhere. So what was there something that just uh, made you guys think, right, that he's ready to not just be on the bench, but starting matches in the Elite Series? Yeah. Yeah, to, to be fair to Herman, Herman's progression has been uh, not exactly the same because when he was 15, 16, we, we tried to bring him into the club and he said no. He stayed at a local club called Nonset, which is in Larvik, uh, played fifth division. You know, it's not a great level. but he's, he, he, And he was such a small little kid. <laughs> we used to take him to tournaments in Denmark. He was always the little number 10. Uh, and then we, we played a game, uh, I think a few years ago, against uh, Fram as a friendly, and they brought some players in. And I walked past him and I stopped and I turned around and went, bloody hell, is, is that you, Herman? And he's like, yeah, a really shy 17-year-old. And I said, what have you been doing? Eating, eating, eating half a cow a day or something? <laughs> and then, bang, he's huge, he's bigger, he's taller than me. Um, and then he came into the club and he's gradually just progressed and progressed. He's in and around the national team at the moment been away on some trips with them and stuff so he is at that level and, and he's just this this pre-season he's just come in and just eating the ground up and taking the advice and just he's got a bit bigger a bit stronger always good with his a little bit more direct with his dribbling what do you think his time. best position oh interesting at the moment he's, he, at the moment he's okay as a, as a wing back he knows the position really well um but he can play as a winger and i think he can go inside and be uh players like uh, as we do like two kind of number tens if you know what i mean uh yeah. he's clever enough to play in a few positions he's, he's he's not just a winger uh and he you know we brought him in against uh Lillestrum because we had a few injuries and stuff and he just he just took the opportunity it was really great really great you have a decent stock of, of youngsters overall, though. I mean, you've got uh, yeah. George Gibson, Shama yeah. Hamid. I know he was around last year as well. Uh, yeah, Bristol. Yeah. I mean, this is, it's important for the club, isn't it, youth development? And you, you're putting a lot into it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, my family are. We're working hard. I mean, George is 17. He's just a bit of a beast, you know what I mean? Mm, yeah. <laughs> he's, uh, he's, he's still raw. He's still got so much to learn and stuff. And uh, But he's he's definitely one for the future. And to be honest with you, underneath that little group that you've mentioned, there, there's another there's another two or three uh, coming up in the juniors at the moment. Um, there's another little lad. I don't want to put him maybe under too much pressure, but a guy called Jakob Dunsby. Little, little. He's only small, little blonde-headed kids, but he's 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 got some ability. That boy. Yeah. He's one to watch out for then. He definitely is, yeah. And uh, yeah, we got uh, another striker coming up called Long, tall, uh, tall black lad. He's uh, he's he's good. He's good as well. Clever player. Clever. I mean, I mean, you're quite a you're a pretty close knit unit there at Sanderfield. I mean, going forward, I mean, the transfer window is a few weeks away now. Do you yeah. think you would be looking into the market or are you more happy to sort of promote players from, you know, from within? Yeah, you know, it's, uh, 
think every club has to have a little look. I mean, it won't do any harm to bring in one or two players to shake things up a little bit. You know, we've uh, there may be a few absences, a few players to move on in the summer break. You know, uh, if there's clubs. Uh, in Europe, not so much Scandinavia looking at some of our players. This is the time that they come because obviously it's the pre-season time coming up for 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 main, you know for the European clubs because uh, obviously our league is a little bit more summer-based. So um, there's always there'll always be a few changes, but of course we're a club. We don't have we don't have loads of money to spend and uh, and waste on players. So we need to make sure that we're we're precise with everything that we do. So there's no immediate at the moment there's no immediate like stress about everything. We we feel like we have a decent squad. Yeah. And I feel like what you said when you see the end of the game and you see how our players react, you know, they're 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 not lying down. They're here to fight all the way through. There's a good energy inside of the group even though we're having a really tough time at the moment. And I think from myself and Guy Ludwig's point of view, that's uh, that's a really important thing with the players being like that. Yeah, I know sometimes when teams are struggling at the bottom of the tables, then there's often sort of loads of panic moves in transfer windows. Like, I yeah. think Viking last year pretty much signed yeah. a brand new 11, didn't they? But I just don't yeah. see, I don't see you you yourself doing that from my point of view anyway. I don't think you probably need to, but... Um... No, no, not at all. I, I, you know, we, we've got players that have obviously come in towards the end of contracts and stuff, and then you can never help clubs coming in and offering money for those players. It's, that, that's always going to happen. This is, I mean, we feel like we're doing a good job if that's happening, especially our younger players, you know. That's what we're, you know, uh, we're, we're here to promote and develop our younger players but we're certainly not going to get sucked into uh, to taking uh, to losing but you've got to be fair to Viking just to digress they a lot of players left at that time so they yeah. were kind of they had to bring him in and then they were caught out but like you say you have to be careful don't get overly stressed and you imagine getting rid of six players and bringing in six and then you've got two and a half weeks to bed them into your team that's never easy and then it very rarely works as far as I'm uh, Yes, it's hard, isn't it, to when you if loads of new guys come in and, and loads uh, move away as well. But I mean, yeah, absolutely. you're not you're not actually that far adrift at the moment. You're only uh, you know a couple of wins, and you'd actually be outside of the the whole relegation zone. So, uh, yeah, looking absolutely. forward, looking forward. Yeah. I mean, you've got a big game this weekend um, yes. <laughs> against Strum's Goodset, and yeah. um, you could. I mean, they themselves are in a bit of a mess. Uh, I mean, just got hammered four 0 by Christiansen of all teams. Yeah. And uh, I mean, yeah. right now, I think everyone sees them as the big underachievers in the league. Yeah. Um, I mean, you're going to go into that game thinking you've got every chance, haven't you? Definitely. Yeah, yeah. And I'm sure that they look upon us and think, yeah, we've got a chance against them. Uh, and historically, our 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 time going away to uh, Slemskut is uh, generally been a tough one for us. So, um, you know, I think you, you, you probably both camps feel the same, but I, I feel they probably have a little bit more pressure on them than we do because, you know, people expected us to be where we are, roughly, around that area anyway. Do you know what I mean? Whereas yeah. I watched I watched Voringer against Stremskutzer earlier in the season uh, and um, Stremskutzer were absolutely fantastic winning that game. 3-1 in the end and and I and I walked away from uh, that and I was with uh, my, my friend of mine Ian Birchner of course who you know very well and um, we both said they're going to be top three no problem and then after that the wheels just fell off for some reason so yeah they because they, they've, they've bigger budget you know done and achieved a lot over the years so uh, maybe a little bit more pressure on them than it is for us yeah I mean I've seen 
calls from people uh, that even the Scullerud's under pressure um, yeah. that they should look at even replacing him, which is, I mean, it's, it's, it's still early, but uh, yeah. it's a particular yeah. game where, I mean, you lost it 1-0 last year. And yeah, uh, right. I'm sure there'll be a few listeners uh, wondering if it's going to be 1-0 again because it seems to be a, a bit of a regular <laughs> scoreline for you at the moment. Yeah, what, does, yeah, are, you, are you going to be, uh, hopefully, troubling the, score, the scorers this week? Yeah, we uh, yeah we, we we know what we need to do. We know we we know them very well, and like they know us very well. So we we need to tweak a few little things. There's no doubt about that. They, you know, you you know yourself that every game you play gives you a different uh, gives you a different task to deal with. Um, and one of those is that they they like to get the ball on the floor and they like to play. They play with a four G, loads of water on it, ball moves quickly. So it gives us a different way of how we need to defend and also it leaves different spaces open than in comparison to Sochborg or Brun. So, um, you, know, you know, we know what we need to do and you know, at the end of the day, we, we need to score a goal. I honestly believe if we get a goal, it'll just we'll just take off. I, I, I'm, I'm, I really believe that, but then maybe I'm a bit biased, you know. <laughs> well, you've got, you've got the finishes and you're someone like Estrati, I mean, Ekstrom's yeah. good, so he'll want to go and prove a point. Ten goals yeah. last year. Um, he doesn't. He looks close, doesn't he, to to, yeah. to scoring again? And you know, Engblom's oh, not yes, a bad yeah. year for you either. So no, he, he, I think I think for Pontus, it took him a little while to settle down for him. Um, uh, just uh, and, and and he was at Stamskets himself for yeah a good year or so, maybe longer, and and, and he didn't play hardly any football. So he wasn't in. He wasn't in the squad. He didn't play many games in the in the second team for them. So when he came to us, he was his conditioning was not great. So he's had to work really hard to get himself up to speed. And you can definitely see over the weeks now that's 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 definitely coming. And when it comes to finishing, when we're in training, he's a very good finisher. Uh, him and uh, Castrati, obviously. So um, we've got the, we've got the firepower. There's no doubt. Sutherland, uh, Power Moore. You know we've got we've got players in there who can score goals. Of course, Joachim Solberg with his left foot is always dangerous, and he's he's a Mjondalen player, so he always likes to have a little go at Stemskut as well. So <laughs> there's a lot to play for. I'll I'll be watching it with with interest for sure, Sean. Yeah. And um, yeah. all I can say is best of luck. And uh, thank you. Overall, thank you very much for joining us again on the Nordic Football Podcast, yeah. and especially at this difficult time. Appreciate your. Yeah your time on the pod and um as i say i hope finally i mean you're confident in turning this one around and surviving this year yeah I, I, honestly we really are don't get me wrong we understand that it won't be easy and it might even go down to the wire we probably will uh, even though our last two games are kind of a little bit heavy so we, hope we don't have to survive we have to finish off with those games but um yeah we are mate we really are because we we know the work that we do. It's easy for us to say that because we're inside and people are outside looking down, uh, looking down on us a little bit, you know. But we feel like we've still got the quality inside of the inside of the group. And also, like you see, when we finish that game, the boys have the desire and the hunger, and that's the most important thing. Yeah. Well, as I say, thanks very much. Best of luck, and uh, thanks again for joining us. So take care, John. Anytime. Thank you. Bye bye. Cheers, then. Bye. Well, that's all we have time for on this episode. Hopefully, we'll be back sooner rather than later for the next edition of the Nordic Football Podcast. In the meantime, remember you can follow us on Twitter at NordicFootPod. Uh, keep an eye out on our YouTube channel where this episode will be posted up. And like us on Facebook. And 
All I can say is goodbye for now, and we'll catch you again soon. Take care, everyone.